Three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Stoned Apes Podcast. And it is the Reverend here. And I am joined by a special guest today. I have Mr. Tim Jensen. He is the Chief Brand Officer of Grunt Style. How are you doing, sir? Oh, well, Reverend, you know, it's another day, another day here in the sweet state of Missouri. That's what I'll tell you. It's uh, fantastic to be with you today. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we're on the Kansas side now, almost. Oh, is it? Oh, well, yeah. Geez. It's a blurred line. (laughs) It's like a, it's a very odd state to be in. This whole Kansas City, Missouri, Kansas City, Kansas thing. So I came out here today to hang out and uh, do the Missouri Psychedelics Conference, the Kansas City portion. Uh, Epen Thampy put that on and he did it last weekend uh, back in St. Louis and was absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. And you decided that you were supposed to be there last week and then your plans got changed. And now we ended up in Kansas City together and here we are. That's right. That's right. And you know, I got to say, the you know the the conference today was it's quite quite fantastic. Uh, I think that you know this is one of two that Epen has put on, and uh, you know what an incredible individual Epen Thampi is. Uh, you know he's been doing this work for a very long time. He's been putting a, these networks together uh, with really this incredible vision of uh, you know descheduling, decriminalizing uh, a plant that has the ability to heal in ways that we still don't even truly understand, right? We're starting to get all the evidence. We're starting to get all the uh, the stuff that's coming out of the FDA, right? We heard today that, you know, October, 20, uh, October of 2026, psilocybin is going to be federally accepted by the FDA. That is incredible stuff. That is absolutely incredible. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I didn't know what to expect. I, you know, I've been around the plant medicine thing for a little bit now. Uh, yeah. Not an incredibly long time. In fact, most of my experience with plant medicine started before I was really networked into the community. Yeah. So, you know, I'd started cannabis about three years ago and then experimented with uh, psilocybin doing microdosing and things like that. Always doing it in conjunction with therapy. So yeah. I was setting intentions and doing it the right way. But um, then I had Epen on the podcast and it was an excellent show. And then he talked a lot about the legislation and the details and the research that went into it. And so I had a little bit of information going into it. And I'll yeah. tell you what, you know what what really caught my attention the most is I show up in St. Louis and the very first presenter he got is a doctor who is in the psychology department at Washington University. And they're doing studies on psilocybin's effect on the brain. And one of the things that Washington University has is the ability to do the brain scans. Mm-hmm. So they're taking brain scans of people's brains before during, after the treatment, they're showing legitimately what is happening. And then later he had another researcher on from St. Louis University. And I thought, wow, you know, aside of the legislation, what a powerful institution that is to know that here's the real research. You know, this isn't a bunch of stoners sitting on the street. These aren't the hippies from the 60s that are like, give me some LSD, right? (laughs) Right, right? You know, these are very competent professionals. And then when you look around the room, the room was full of psychologists. Yeah. And when I had the chance to go around the room and talk to people, All the psychologists said the same thing. They had patients that they felt would be good candidates for plant therapy, and they don't know how to get them to the medicine. And so they're there to educate themselves so that they can find avenues and ways to be able to get people to the medicine. And, um, yeah, it's just between the legislators, between all the representatives that were there, all, all the way up to Washington, D.C. and back, uh, the the schools, the doctors, um, then the individuals themselves that have taken it upon themselves to put it into the work and to get everything out there the way that they do. Uh, I'll tell you what, it is, it is definitely not a hippie community. 
I understand completely. You know, a few years ago on the Joe Rogan show when he said that psilocybin was legal, like in, uh, you know, was it Oregon or something like that back then? It was a few years. I don't remember. Um, No, it was uh, Washington, wasn't it? Because Seattle legalized it first, didn't they? Uh, I think think Seattle went before Oregon. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, but the, the, it's the, the the whole West Coast thing, right? Oh. I think California is going to be next. Well, as a as a as a what I would consider myself a normal American, when I heard that the first time, even somebody who was okay with the idea of cannabis, I yeah. thought, oh my goodness, psilocybin? Like really? They're going to legalize shrooms? I had no understanding of what went into that. And now, when you see it, when I when I was at that conference, I said, oh, no wonder. This is why it's getting legalized. Look at all of the research. Look at all of the dollars that are going into this. Look at all of the support that this movement has. Uh, it's it's absolutely something that yeah. should be. Yeah, and it you know really comes down to, you know, the underground network you know, over the years that have been keeping the science alive, right? Uh, because this has been le- uh, illegal uh, in the United States for quite some time. You know, uh, we got to see a great video by Seth Ferrante, uh, you know, talking about the war on drugs, right? That's going to be coming out on Amazon. And it really does a great job of, you know, of showing how psychedelics has moved through the pop culture or the culture of America. Um, you know, from the early beginnings of, you know, the introduction of LSD, um, then into psilocybin. Um, you know, a lot of the... Uh, and then, and then introducing into pop culture, right? This was an enigma. This was burning through the nation in ways uh, that we've never seen before. From uh, you know this this crazy little psychedelic drug that uh, makes you you know uh, leave your body and have these ultra ultra you know these really crazy experiences. So it's been really um, interesting to see how it all has happened over the years, right? And you know now that the you know, we've got almost 70 years of inactivity from, you know, a big science, you know, that has been doing any research on it. And, you know, the underground is what has been keeping this thing alive and moving it forward. And, um, you know, I've seen it in so many different ways within the veteran community. You've got special forces operators uh, that, you know, have no longer wear their uniform and they're, you know, going around the countryside of inside the United States and administering these modalities of treatment. Um why? Because it's true. There's there's something to it. There's something so incredible that um, it has the ability to pull people back from the brink of destruction, right? And that right now we don't have any hope, right? We have pharmaceuticals. We have things that you know uh, that you know. I can I speak mostly to the to the to the veteran community, but this is happening across the country. But you know we're getting overdosed with. Um, you know the Paxils, the Zolofs, the, the Trazodones, like these cocktails of, of pharmaceuticals uh, that are um, you know just being pushed down the throats of individuals that are suffering from mental health, right? And they think that this is the answer. Um, you know when data point after data point keeps showing that you know these 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 SSRIs and these things are are just not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Right, and it's pushing people uh, to the brink of destruction. We're seeing suicide in ways, uh, you know, an, epi- an epidemic within this country, uh, from the civilian side to the, um, the the military side. You know, in the last twenty years, thirty thousand one hundred seventy-seven veterans have committed suicide. Have taken their lives. Mm-hmm. Right, um, in the same time period of the twenty-year war, you know, we've only ex- uh, you know sustained seven thousand fifty-seven combat deaths. Right, so that's a factor of nearly 4.5 times the size 
of um, of those veterans that are or the active duty side that are dying in combat zones. We're killing ourselves here in the United States long after war, the war is over. Why? What is the problem? What is going on? Well, there's a lot of things to unpack, uh, you know, to to truly understand that. But you know, I think we have a solution in terms of, you know, what can we do that is not. You know, how do we break the status quo? Because the status quo is driving our community into the ground. Um, and that, the data shows it. And, and that's all we have to talk about. It's like we don't need to talk about data anymore. We need to talk about solutions. We need to talk about these modalities that we can get into the community faster, to have higher efficacy rates, and you're not putting them on the long-term protocol. Right. Well, you know, I was listening to a podcast with one of our friends. Dave Morrow has the Hard to Kill podcast out of Canada. So shout out to him. But he did a podcast the other day with uh, Tobias Miller, and he is called The Unmedicated Mohican. And I highly recommend you check that out. It's one of the best um, ayahuasca podcasts that I listened. But he had said something in there. At his height, he was on 26 pills a day in all a basically psychiatric medication yeah. and they had him on up to four times the dose that he was supposed to be taking and he described himself as being completely numb and one of the things that he said in that podcast that really stood out to me was this idea that all these people are out there oh but you took a drug and he's like look if you don't think that 26 pills a day if you don't think those pharmaceuticals are hardcore drugs mm-hmm. you're kidding yourself yeah just give give one of those uh give one of those 26 to a eight-year-old and see what happens, right? I mean, you'll see the poison. You'll see you'll see the effects of that immediately, right? And, and that's a I mean, it's a you know, and that's not a, a a unique story, right? You know, this is happening across the United States, right? And you're, and they're over, you know. So you get you get a you get all these pills, right? And then you start getting pills to counter the pills that you're on, and you know, it's just this just cyclical event of destruction, right? That, you know, the next thing you know, your body's shutting down because you're all, your, your, your organs are turning against the medicine you're on. It's ridiculous, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, the pain and, you know, none of that is really, you know, affecting the, the, the mental status of the individual, right? These are all things that are supposed to, you know, uh, correct the imbalances of the chemicals within your body, right? And I'm no scientist, so, like, I'm not here to sit here and, um, you know, talk about the you know the the data behind all this because that's not me, right? I could talk to you about the anecdotal evidence that I see on a daily basis of people that are interacting with the the drugs that the, that our administrators are giving to us at the VA, right? And you know, what is the effect of those? Well, mostly terrible. And we got to find a better way, right? And we see this all, not only within the veteran community, as I've mentioned, but this is happening within uh, the you know, across the United States in so many different ways, you know, you're putting, we're putting kids on this trash, right? And uh, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. And uh, that's, I'm, I'm very firm on that. No, I couldn't agree with you more. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so interested in plant medicine. One, it's been around for thousands of years. Two, it's natural. It grows from the ground and we already have a blueprint. We have plenty of cultures that have been using this stuff for a long time. There's ceremonies, there's rituals, there's a methodology to mm-hmm. its practice. It isn't just like a willy-nilly thing. You know, I think the hippies did a disservice to mm-hmm. a lot of us in the way that they treated these drugs recreationally. And even today, you know, that's the one thing I will say that since I've came to the plant medicine community, I don't view drug use as recreational anymore. 
Yeah. You know, I used to say, oh, I want to sit down and get high. Now there's purpose, there's intention. You know, but the one thing that, that I think is the most promising out of it is, and I think the difference, these other drugs that are meant to regulate the chemicals in your body, the difference in psychedelics is, though, is that, and that's why they're doing the research at Washington University, is they know that it is remapping the brain. Mm-hmm. It is causing neurons to fire. It is expanding the neural capability of the brain. I mean, when that guy showed the slide, and I have a copy of it, I'll probably post it on our Facebook page for the listeners out there that are listening. Uh, but when you look at the neuromapping from before to during, yeah. Oh, it's like, you know, it's like a picture of space. I couldn't believe how much was firing in all the different areas. And that's why there's healing. Because when you come out of there, you come changed. Yeah. You know, you create those neural pathways through behaviors and through habits. And and that's what gets them there. You know, I tell people that a long time ago. I was suicidal for a long time. But there was a moment that I went through cyclical depression over and over and over before I became suicidal. But once I made that decision that night that now I'm to the point to where I am actually considering taking my own life, this is a, this is a, this is an avenue. Then after that, it was over every time. Cause what you do is you build that highway. And then once that highway is built, then the next time you get depressed, it's a zero to a hundred, zero to a hundred, zero to a hundred. You know, in my peak, I was, I, I would say that I would have two to three days a week to where, you know, I, in some form or fashion, and, and for me, it was always a gun, right? Yeah. I was just going to blow my brains out. But, you know, I would be sitting on a couch in my own home with a gun in my hand that close and did that for years. And um, then I discovered plant medicine. And, you know, slowly but surely that started to go away. For me, it started with cannabis. I started using cannabis in conjunction with therapy, started getting a lot of benefits from that. And then, uh, then I started microdosing and I did that. And then I went all the way down to the ayahuasca and then the ayahuasca was the cure. Yeah. That was like, when I was done with that, it was over. It was yeah. just gone. Well, and that's the beautiful thing about this medicine is like, it's really not the cure, right? What this medicine is doing is it's giving you the ability to look at things through a different perspective. Okay. Um, because the real work is what is happens next, right? And I like to use this uh, little anecdote that imagine a house on the side of a mountain, right? And that mountain has snow on it. And you live in that house. You create all the behaviors. You take out the garbage. You shovel the, the driveway. Uh, you know, you got footprints that go to the, the heater to make, you know, all the things that happen around your house, the activity, right? Imagine those things as habits, right? What this medicine does uh, is it's like a fresh blanket of snow that covers all of those foot traffic, all of that the behavior, all of those things that you have created for yourself that are becoming routine, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. And it gives you the ability to look at it a different way. And you can change those behaviors and those habits. And you can say, you know what, that doesn't serve me anymore. And I can move on from that. And, you know, and I'm going to be okay with it. Um, and that's what I think the true magic of this really is, is that it, it's the perspective. And then once you have that clear perspective, it's like, okay, now I get to, now I get to do the work. Now I, now I get to really get to understand why the things are, that are affecting me. Why do I react the way that I react? Why, why am I not responding rather, uh, rather than my reaction? Um, and that's, you know, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, and it took me a long time for, for me to truly understand that, you know, I've been practicing, uh, with the medicine for some time now and, 
and uh, you know, I, I learn more and more about myself every time I, I sit. And in, in some of those things are dis, disconcerting. A lot of those, you know, and, 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 and it can be very terrifying journeys you know, as, you're, as you're really getting those um, unadulterated, um, unbiased looks inward. Right? You're looking at yourself without a filter, and uh, you know there's we all have we all have things in our lives that we're not very particularly proud of, and we have to with the medicine you're gonna have to come to terms with that, right? And you're gonna face that, and you know what you do to get through that is you know it, that's everybody's personal experience, and everybody will have a story to tell uh, because it is profound when you make it through uh, the other side of it. Um, and you know, just that alone, right? If we can, if you can achieve that, where you're you're able to say that doesn't serve me anymore. I don't need to be, you know, putting a, a Percocet into my mouth three times a day because it doesn't serve me anymore. I don't, I'm not sick. I don't need it for the pain any longer. Why am I still doing it? It doesn't serve me, and I can walk away from that, and it will never call again. That's what this medicine has given you the capability of doing. And you know that's a that's truly a gift, and to have it being held uh, within our within our grasps, we can't we can't touch that. Uh, that's that's criminal in in many ways because there's so many people that are struggling that can benefit from this medicine, and I'm, I'm, nobody here is advocating for you know the mushrooms to be passed out in the streets, right? You know, I say mushrooms for the masses, but I say mushroom for the masses in a controlled and regulated environment to where you're sitting and you're you're being observed by professionals and you're going through the process and you're understanding with intent what it is that you're going to do and what you're trying to solve. And when you get on the other side of it, going through the work of the integration process to make sure that you're bringing it all together. And that is truly the, the, the real magic of this medicine is all that other work. The, the, the psychedelic only gets you to a, a very specific place in time with a very different perspective. Man, I, I, you said that beautifully. In, in fact, that was a, a perspective that I hadn't previously considered. And so I think your analogy of the blanket of snow, something new, you're right, because it does take work. That's why there's integration. Mm-hmm. When you come back from this medicine, you spend, you know, 30 days or longer integrating. You know, I'm going on six weeks now, and the integration for me doesn't stop. But, you know, honestly, I was already on a path of personal improvement mm-hmm. where I was working on myself every single day. So I, I don't expect it to stop because I want to keep putting in the work, Yeah, you know. but uh, It's fun. Like oh. once you really start to, you know, embrace it and understand, like, oh man, like, like I can, I can achieve, like, I can achieve a higher self. Like if I, if you know, through ego dissolution, I am able to, you know, be more present for other people because I'm no longer thinking about myself. Get out of town! Why would anybody want to do that, man? <laughs> Absolutely. Like, yeah, it. You know, my life is so much more richer now. Yeah. You know, and, it, and the third day after I woke up from ayahuasca, I always tell people, I said, I woke up viewing the world with the child's eyes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the key takeaways that I had was I can truthfully say that I, I love other people now. I have a true compassion for others. You know, I want to help others. You know why? I'm gonna, and this is it. This is, this is the secret. You are able to love other people because you're able to look at yourself and love yourself. 
Absolutely. Right. And that's, you know, and that's hard for, you know, men. Let's talk about men in general, right? You know, to, to really have the ability to say, yeah, I love myself. Hey, we could say that, right? You know, but, you know, when has a father ever sat us all down and said, you know, and say, hey, boy, you know, what do you, what do you, what do you think about your personal feelings and, and having that conversation? No father does that, right? Um, you know, and, and we have to go through life uh, with this, you know, position around us that, you know, uh, we're, as men, we shouldn't have feelings. We shouldn't express our feelings. Um, you know, and there's a whole stigma behind that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then then for the flip side, for the females out there, right. They have their own, um, you know, uh, conceptions that uh, they have to live with on the paradigm that they have to live within. So, you know, nobody's, you know, is, is free of this. We're all living within this construct that, that has been created around us and we got to find ways of breaking free of that so we can free our mind for our ability to love another person and to, and to express that love, right? Because at the end of the day, I think what this medicine, what this medicine really puts into perspective, and this is probably me more than I'm, uh, maybe, maybe other people feel the same way, but I'll speak for myself is that, you know, this, this medicine gives you so much, you get to meet source, right? And God is not what we think God is. God is just love. God is the, having the ability to express love to other people. And when you're expressing love to other people, you're getting all those endorphins. You're getting all those good pleasures. You know, um, you know the, the the all all of it. All those hormones are kicking, right? Because you're 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 expressing, you're, you're putting forward positiveness and energy towards another human being. That's magic. That we live on this planet, you know, this is a human experience, right? We're looking around in the world today that there's death everywhere. I think the world can use a little bit more love. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And that's not hippie shit, man. Like, no, not I'm a Marine. All. Like I fought, I fought in combat. Like I'm, I'm still hard in the tooth in a lot of different ways, but I'm also man enough to say like, listen guys, we need to, we need to take a beat. Well, I think what you're describing. And so I can relate to this very well. So I was a combat engineer and then obviously I go to Iraq, I come back. And then after that, I decide a, a few years later that I get going to get into martial arts and yeah. I got into mixed martial arts. And then I gravitated from that to jujitsu. And then I gravitated from that to Muay Thai. I spent a period of my time as a power lifter. I got into powerlifting and strongman competitions and stuff like that. And then you go down the road from that, you know, 20 years. And so, you know, you develop this persona as a tough guy. Yeah. Right. And then you, you try to, at least I'm speaking for what I did, um, because of my own internal insecurities, because we all know that deep inside there's something really soft and squishy. Mm -hmm. And so what we do we want to hide that. So we build all these walls in the form of like personas, right? I'm a muscly guy. I'm a tough guy. I know how to fight. You know, I'm ex-military. You put whatever labels on it and then it's men don't cry. Men don't do this. And, and we have all of these things that we do so that people view us a certain way. Yeah. And I said this a few podcasts ago, but it, it's one of the truest things. The hardest thing that I have ever done is look in the mirror and say, I hurt. Yeah. That took more courage to admit that there was pain, to admit that, you know what, I don't have this. Yeah. Yeah. You know? You know, that's, again, like, this is this is tough shit, man. This is, you know, this, you, you have, people have their own perceptions, right? And they're, they're reading the books now. It's becoming quite vogue uh, for the psychedelic movement. But, like, this is work, man. 
this is the work and and uh, you know I I, I I I I think everybody should, you know this work is not for everybody but those that I think uh, can benefit from it the most are the ones that have the highest ego because what you're talking about uh, these personas in my opinion is the layers of the ego that is that is building the shield right that protects that little soft and squishy thing right uh, that, that, that little thing that just so precious in, in in the back of your mind, right? Because um, I experienced that when I, when I was in an ayahuasca journey, I met my I met my my ego, right? I had ego dissolution. Um, I didn't like what I saw. Uh, I felt that what I had the ego that I created for myself was uh, something that was made to protect uh, protect me from what uh, what what I brought back from Iraq. You know, I've always said that uh, the Tim that uh, everybody in my family knew died uh, in the desert of Iraq. Um, and then ayahuasca was the, the, the medicine that brought the Tim that joined the Marine Corps back, right, back to back to reality. And it's been an incredible journey. Like, my family sees it. My, 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 my wife sees it. Uh, everybody in my, my circle sees it. Um, and they're asking, how do we do it? How do we get there? Right. And that's that's the mission. Like, how do we bring more people to it? Yeah, I I couldn't agree more with that. I think the most important part of what you said there is that it's not for everybody. I think that it's important for people to understand that personal improvement or personal development is a holistic practice. You're working on everything, you know, your mind, body, spirit. But there's a lot of modalities that go into that. There's meditation. There's exercise. There's fitness. There's diet. There's yoga. There's all of these things. There's yeah. regular therapy. You should do it all. You should do it all. You're right. And then when you are in that path, if you have things like I did, the cyclical depression, like to be fair, I had worked through most of my stuff. Most of my stuff on a day-to-day basis wasn't bad at all. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't get rid of the cyclical depression. That was a that was resistant to all of the treatments. That was the something that was staying a constant. So for me, the plant medicine was a tool to fix that issue. It didn't have to come in and deal with all these other issues because I did the work on that. Yeah. But when now it's like I needed help in that area, I got help in that area, and then I continue that improvement. Yeah. You know, and we wake up every day just trying to be a little better than we were the day before. You yeah. Know? Absolutely. I mean, that's all you really can do. Um, you know, so it's a tough world, man. We got responsibilities. We got bills. We got children. We got to make soccer practice. You know, we got to do all this shit, <laughs> really. Um, but, you know, and at what point are you ever taking care of yourself? You're not, right? You know, you might get a you might get a quick pump in to do, to do a, you know, a, a workout, right? But you're not really addressing, you know, those personal needs, that, that, that personal maintenance, right? You're not doing that uh, because it's the least, it's the last thing on the checklist, Right, because you got all these other things that are more important, right? And and they are probably more important to some reasonable degree. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're not taking care of yourself, you cannot serve others. It is like being on the airplane. When the uh, pressure drops in the cabin, you are advised to put the mask on yourself before you can help others. Same situation occurs in this world that we live in: is you cannot love other people until you love love yourself, and you cannot administer love to other people unless you love yourself. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I think self-love is a very important step in being able to embrace the world fully and honestly. Yeah. You know, to be able to find your true self, to be able to look in the mirror and say, you know what, I like who I am. I like the way that I am. Sure, I have my problems, but sure, I have my good things and, and to own what you do. And then you go out that front door and then you meet the world and now you're ready to engage the world yeah. because you're not hiding anymore. You're not hiding behind anything. You're not carrying all this guilt and all this shame. I think for me, guilt and shame, and you had mentioned that earlier at the conference, that's a real thing, mm-hmm. you know, because you feel guilty for being sad. You feel guilty for getting angry. You yeah. feel shameful for not being able to handle it. And so you want to hide these things away. So not only do you have these behaviors that are plaguing you, but then you also have all this shame and this guilt, and it just starts this cyclical cycle that goes over yeah. and over yourself. It's the OODA loop, man. It, uh, you can't get out of it, right? Once you're in it, you're going to crash, right? Because that's the only way out, uh, unfortunately. So, you know, how do you... How, you know, it's a it's a it's a terrible place to be in. Um, I can I can. I wasn't fortunate enough to I, I, you know I was I was one of those guys that you know it hit I I hit rock bottom I I smashed into the ground hard I was making a shit ton of bad decisions uh, I you know and it really predicated from a lot of from a couple of different things like I came back from Iraq my my one year old uh, I had a one year old son. And uh, my uh, my wife at the time, you know, they had their own they had their own thing going on, right? They, you know, uh, I've been gone for a year. The house was running on its own. Uh, they had their own pattern, their their own routines. I come back into the situation. You know, I've spent the last year of my life training and and, and being involved in and taking people's lives. Now I'm being you know put into a position where I have to be a nurturer and I have to I'm responsible for a life and I have to raise a child. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and my life just went kaputs, right? Um, and it was a long time in the darkness, long time in the darkness that I wandered, trying to figure out what was going on, who I was, what, why am I carrying all this guilt? What's the shame that uh, that, that, that that's hanging over me like a dark cloud? Um, that was an awful, an awful period of my life, and I don't ever wish that upon anybody. But that is happening to more people than we have, we know, right? You know, I, you know, I, I challenge anybody. Like, you know, we live in a time right now where, you know, in my, in my belief that COVID ripped the mask off of people, right, and and their ability to hide their mental health. It is more apparent now than has ever been in our in in the history of our country. And you know, I, I see people crying on my way to work all the time in their cars, driving, just crying and crying and crying. Um, People are not good, but they're but they're but they will go to every length that they can to mask it around the people uh, that you know can, that can actually do something. They can actually step in and make a difference, uh, or say something, or you know, do do something that that puts them onto a different path. And people will go will go out of their way to make sure that they're putting that mask on. Why? Because they're afraid. They're, the fear, the stigma, all that of, of being labeled a crazy or someone that, that can't keep it all together. Nobody wants that, right? We're all struggling. We're all trying to do that same thing, put food on the table, make sure our kids you know, have a, a great path to get to college, you know, yada, yada, the whole American thing, right? We're all working extraordinarily hard for that. And you know, the byproduct is 
And we don't put a lot of attention into the right things ourselves and, you know, the ones, the people that we love. And that's, that's a tough thing to do. Well, that's one of the reasons why I'm glad that mental health is starting to get such attention today. You know, just a few years ago, my mom, she is 72, 73, something like that. I guess my mom's going to be mad. I don't remember what her birthday was. <clears throat> she just told me the other day, too. You're like, the good son. I'm like, I'm, yeah. <laughs> she likes my older brother more. That's <laughs> like, now, especially with the podcast, she's like, you're doing what? And I was like, mom. She's like, drugs. And I'm like, mom. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, here we are. Uh, but, uh, no, she, my stepdad died in 2020. And he died as a uh, complications result related to COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, she went through this terrible depression. But the problem with it was uh, it had nothing to do with my mother. It had everything to do with the culture that she was raised in. In her world, mental health was a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And she was so depressed and it was hard to watch. But she couldn't admit it. She thought that she would hide it to everything that she could. Oh, I'm fine. Everything's fine. And I finally told her one day, I said, Mom, if you're not depressed right now, something's wrong with you. It's normal to be depressed. You just lost your husband You yeah, very suddenly you, uh, that you've been married for many, many years. You're going through a very significant moment in time. Yeah. Your environmental circumstances suggests that you should be very fucking sad yeah and that's okay and she had such a hard time understanding that like she couldn't put that together because she had been so hardwired her whole life to go no i have to hide it no it's 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 not okay to be sad i should be able to handle this better and those those are observable behaviors right those are those are traits that we're that we're watching other people do right so it's learned Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, you know, I'm sure that your mother's you know, and it, it goes into everything like we all react. We all react. Right. And those reactions are things that we are probably not very proud of. Right. I react to my son, my six year old son a lot. I'm not proud of those reactions. Right. <laughs> I should be a little bit more thoughtful and say, you know what, son, maybe we shouldn't be, um, you know, trying to download another video game. On the on the cell phone, maybe maybe we should be you know doing something outside or a little bit something more more productive. That's how I should respond. But my natural reaction is like, you don't need another game. You got all the games in the world. Blah 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 blah. Right, and you know so that that is conditioning. Right, You're, we are we are pushing that that energy down onto another human being. Right, and that's being conditioned, and mm-hmm. that's how this becomes generational, and you know becomes problematic and things of that nature. Now, I'm not saying that you know my that very circumstance of what I'm talking about with the example of my son is, you know, I'm creating a a, a cycle of, of of disaster. I'm saying that these things lead into that if you are not mindful of it, and if you're continuing, you know, to react to things rather than responding to situations of in thoughtful uh, thoughtful ways like that there's there's nothing crazy about being thoughtful right it's actually probably more human of you to be thoughtful <laughs> well you said that earlier and i think that's the key part is we're all human beings you know i talk about that sometimes when i talk about the difference between men and women everybody wants to put all these stigmas associated to it and i was like look we all have the same emotions we all feel the same things 
my I've watched my wife get angry. I've watched her get sad. I've watched her cry. I've watched her do dumb things. I've watched her do intelligent things. She's every bit the human that I am. Yeah. There, there's nothing in our gender that dictates the difference. And and you you hit the nail on the head when you said that it's about patterns. You know, I'm dealing with that right now. And if my son is listening, I hope you listen to this, because. For the 15 years that I was in my previous marriage, I was not somebody who worked on personal improvement. Mm -hmm. In fact, I was very damaged. I had PTSD, uh, childhood trauma. I was not in a good place in life. And I was married to a woman who was braining out the worst in me. Nothing against her at all. Okay, there, Sometimes it takes two. I was at fault. But she was braining out the worst in me. I was braining out the worst in her. My children were being raised in that environment. Mm -hmm. And now the the challenge that I have, because they're teenagers, they don't want to follow my example. They don't want to follow my lead. They don't want to follow the changes because they go, but that's not what you did then. That's not how you did it back then. Look, you would used to do this. You used to do that. And I'm doing this because this is what you taught me. Yeah. And it's like, I know I taught you this, but I'm also telling you I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. and I'm show, trying to show you a new way. But even my own children, who you would think that would be an easy transition, it isn't. Because once they get that conditioning in there, it gets stuck. And then that becomes their new pattern. Mm -hmm. And so it's so painful to watch my children react to things or to do things that I know is a direct result of my conditioning. Yes. And then I can't correct it. And that is one of the most frustrating things in the world as a parent. So you can only imagine if you, as much as you love your children, as much as you care about their well-being, imagine what's happening to the people that we don't care about. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> Fuck them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck them anyway. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, uh, but you know, but it's a great point. Like you know, it's you know. There's the golden rule, right? It's uh, treat everybody how you want to be treated, right? Uh, we've heard that in our entire lives, and uh, but you know, how many of you? How many of us are really acting? How many of us are really putting that forward, right? How many of us are, you know, uh, you know? I say this a lot. Uh, you know, we've we've done a great job since Vietnam to train and condition the people of the United States of America to say thank you for your service as they step over the homeless veteran. You know. Previously, they would just spit on them and be like, oh, carry on and continue moving, right? So, you know, it's what do we, how do we, you know, create the conditions of success? How many, how do we change the behaviors of all the things that we don't want to do, to do anymore? Well, well, we do a bunch of ayahuasca. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it's so once you realize you, like you said earlier, once you realize that we're all connected to the source, yep. you know, that we're all the same. And then that is what creates the connection to everyone else. That's what gives you the responsibility. You know, I left ayahuasca with a responsibility. And me and you talked about that because that was actually the, the, mo the, the statement that you made that really impacted me the most when I met you at the Triangular Compass. The reason why I wanted to have you on a podcast was actually a singular statement. And I had talked to you, and we can talk about this a little bit if we want to segue into it, um, but I had talked to you a little bit about like, your experience at Grunt Style, mm -hmm. you know, being the chief brand officer, and you had mentioned that you started folding shirts and that you went all your way up, and we were talking about, like, I was 
I, because I come from a business background, I was very curious and I was inquiring about your business accolades. Mm-hmm. And so I was expecting the standard speech like, oh, I did this and I did that. And here I am. And this is my title, my position. And I, this is the size of the company. And I, I was just expecting that. And then one of the things that uh, I asked you, I, I asked you then, I said, oh, you know, you became uh co-owner and and everything and I said you know what's that like and you said to me and I quote it's a great responsibility and that caught me like because I went oh that's different that wasn't the response I was expecting to hear but you would you you then went on to explain that you, it's such a great responsibility to be in this position because of your responsibility toward others mm-hmm. the amount that you have to give back and I went, mm. yeah, yep, yeah, and that's why we're here, sir. Yeah, because I mean, you own that. You gotta, you know, that, uh, there's a lot to that, right? It's, you know, in my business, we have about 400 employees, 414 employees, something like that. Um, but you know, in in essence, it's more like 800, probably closer to a thousand when you're looking at all the children, all the wives, all the husbands, everybody that's involved in the business, right? You're supporting the entire ecosystem of, of everybody's lives. Um, and you know, we, we have to thread this needle in such a way that you've got to get everybody so incredibly motivated to come to, to work every day to grind out and, and do the things that, you know, we're asking people to do. Like that's an incredible responsibility. That is a, you know, I, you can see businesses that don't take that responsibility serious and they don't go very far, right? They'll, they'll, they'll become whatever and they'll, they'll exist, but there's no flavor. There's no passion. There's, there's nothing exciting. The people that show up to that work, uh, to that, to that job, they're just showing the punch the clock and get paid so they can, you know, pay down their credit card. We don't want that. Like what we're building here is we're building something different. We're building, um, uh, we're building a team of individuals that understand our mission. And that mission is to instill pride in self and military and country and to set the next generation up for success by, you know, uh, no celebrating and defending the constitution. The thing that gives us all this pleasure, all these uh, opportunities. And, you know, we have a responsibility in that. And to see all the people when you're standing in front of them on a, on a Friday when, uh, like my, myself and my business partner, Glenn, the CEO, you know, we stand in front of the entire company and we give the report on what we do. And we're reporting out the good, the bad, the, the indifferent. And it's really, it, really makes, it really makes it you know, uh, real at that time this, to have them all looking at you. And you're like, fuck, fuck, what? oh man, like, that, like it, it hits you. It hits you mm-hmm. really hard. Um, and that's a great, that's an incredible responsibility. Um, and to know, to know that you have that many people that are willing to stand up and say, oh, I love, this is the right mission. And I'm here for the mission. Well, that's, you know, we talked about this a little bit on the car on the way here, but uh, 
I, I am still impressed by the culture that you've built within the company. And one of the things that, uh, you know, I'd mentioned to you and, and I talked to other people about all the time when we got the opportunity to be able to, to get linked up with the foundation and, and we started working with the foundation and, and, you know, there's definitely an affiliation there and, and all the work that we're doing and, and with the plant medicine and how we're working out in the community and, and the veteran outreach that we're doing, you know, at, I never anticipated that behind the grunt style name was such a wonderful group of people committed to such a sincere cause. Everyone that I have met so far is like you because it comes from the top down and everybody is so committed and so genuine and, and so wonderful that it makes you proud to be affiliated. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I tell people that all the time, like I am now, I'm adorned in grunt style. Like this is my new work uniform. Right. You know, I wear it everywhere, but I wear it with pride because I understand what it stands for and what grunt style is doing in the responsibility and the push for making change that really is. And even as somebody with, relatively no other affiliation it's still something it's a brand that i can be proud of yeah so i commend you for building that well i appreciate it very much we know we've spent a lot of time building an incredible team of people that understand just what you're talking about like we all need a mission you know if we look at the united states as a whole uh, and we look at the last couple of years and we're all scratching our heads like what is going on right well you know i'll ask you a simple question what is the country working towards what is our mission? What is the country's mission right now? Like, we're, we don't have a space program. We're not going to space, right? We're, we're not, what are we doing? Like, what is the one thing that, that the United States is focused on right now? Because it seems to me it's nothing but war, right? We're building a war machine, $900 million, billion dollars rather, being built uh, into the industrial complex. Um, I don't see, I don't see any other hope out there, right? So we have to create that hope ourselves. And you know, we need to ignite that fire internally to say, you know, we we have work to do, and there's things for us to to be accomplishing it uh, in this country. Um, and I think Grunt Style is uh, one of those brands that, that can ignite that conversation, right? Because we don't take a very we don't take a political position at all, right? What we take a position on is patriotism, and patriotism is not a left, right, or center type of thing. It is American thing and if we can all get behind about the idea of being an american and leading the you know the the greatest country in human generations uh, like that is something to be proud about that's something that we all should be rallying behind and saying yes yes we have more to provide we have more to do as this in this country and we have and, and we got to get to work it's time to roll up their sleeves well, I think you helped change my perspective and you were speaking on it earlier today when you were defining patriotism and what that means and what it means to you. And that really redefined my my view on patriotism because my view on patriotism has been conflicted because I'm kind of anti-nationalism. Mm-hmm. And I it's it's really difficult when the government gets involved and you don't agree with the direction of the government or the actions of the government. And then you realize that like, oh, that flag represents the government too. Yeah. And, and then it's not just the people. <clears throat> but the way you presented it earlier was that it's a community network of humans that are existing in the same space. And what does that mean to you? And I was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah. We're no. not our we're not our government. We're not. Um, you know, it's the 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 government is a perverted um, amalgamation of the American idea. 
unfortunately, right? And, you know, we the people have the ability to, um, you know, make what our country is. Like, it's going to happen at the fabric. It's going to happen at Small Town USA. It's going to happen on the connections that are being made at Small Town USA to Big City USA. And how are those relationships being managed? How are those being developed? How are we continuing to find ways of, of bringing human innovation and science and, and discovery uh, to the United States in ways that we have not even perceived? Like, that's where we should be putting our attention. Um, and, you know, we shouldn't be, you know... You know when we talk about fifth generation warfare, right, and when you go back to the triangular compass, right, we we talk about uh, how you know we're living in this in this uh, partisan divide that is dehumanizing, uh, you know, a lot of what we believe in our country. I believe in our countrymen, our neighbors, right. We're now looking at our neighbors like, oh man, I don't like Rick over there. He's a freaking he's a right wing extremist. Or I don't like Phil over there because he's a goddamn liberal. Right? Well, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? That, that's an American. That's our that's our countryman. That's our that's our neighbor, right? And when when our infrastructure collapses, or if there's an emergency in the neighborhood, are we going to go to Rick and Phil and be like, "Fuck you! I I'm not helping you because you're a Republican or you're a liberal." No, that's not what we're doing. We're helping humans out, right? We're we're doing the American thing, and we need to get past all that. And that's why I think that you know patriotism, in my eyes, and in my thought, and in my beliefs, is that if you have a love of country, I don't care what it is. Uh, you know, we don't need to be aligned in our thought. Uh, but if you have a love of country, I'm willing to work with you because that is the core denominator uh, that we need to, to continue to implement change and make this country better for the next generation. Because, you know, it's it's not it's not us, right? It's the children behind us that are going to continue you know, what's going on, and we need to set a better example. Well, yeah, and you are doing that, aren't you? I mean, you're also in addition to your role at Grunstyle, the profit corporation you also are president of the foundation yeah. is that correct and, yeah. and i love your tagline for the foundation forward with purpose yeah and you know that sums things up very well but you were very influential in the path act you yeah. know tell i've heard this story from so many people but i'd like to hear it from your perspective when you marched after congress yeah retell that story sure. from your perspective i want to know what was going through what was going through tim's head when he was staring at converse congress walking down the street and decided to just march over there yeah yeah so uh it, I'll, I'll tell you it wasn't very it wasn't very good <laughs> what i was thinking um you know and you know this is a fight that was, it was going on for a very long time um you know i partnered with rosie uh, rosie torres out of burn pits 360 uh, the executive director over there whose husband was you know significantly impacted by toxins from his deployment and yeah, ended up losing his job at the um, texas uh, sheriff uh, department or border patrol uh, highway patrol texas highway patrol and yeah, you know, that really sparked um, you know them getting on the path of trying to to bring change and identify the toxins that uh, you know that we we're all exposed to in Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, ultimately coming from burn pits. Um, so that was a, a very long road that they're on. Fifteen years of, of trying to get something going, trying to get legislation on the hill. We came involved uh, about four years, five, well, about five, six years ago now. And, you know, what we came in and started providing was communication, 
We had a great audience. We had a very engaged audience. So we started feeding them with the, the, the data, the science, all the things that we needed to get them educated on. And then we started pointing them in a direction of where to go with that information. And ultimately, it was to their state senators and, and their representatives and saying, hey, this is, our, this is the problem, and there's a solution on the table right now, and it's called uh, the PACT Act, right? Go and pass the PACT Act. So we built a, a significant momentum there. Um, we passed the bill. We got it passed. I was flying to Washington, D.C. on a Wednesday at the end of July. It was like July 28th, if I recall. And with the idea that we were going to celebrate getting this passed into law. When I landed on the ground, I, my phone was exploding with all of the people that we've been working with saying the bill has, has been um, uh, it wasn't passed. 18 Republicans changed their vote. Uh, at the last minute in the 11th hour and the, the bill is not going to be passed. So I was like, well, okay, what are we going to do? And we started talking, collaborating. Uh, we all met at the VFW headquarters in D.C., uh, started putting our strategy together, and then we went to, to the Senate and started walking the halls. And we went to every one of those Republicans that had um, you know, changed their vote in the 11th hour, tried to convince them to you know, or, or try to understand why. Why? Why did they change their vote? We had we had a yes from them previously, right? And this has gone through several different hijinks of trying to get this bill passed. You know, it was absolutely ridiculous. But you know, we had their votes, and it wasn't going well, right? Uh, you know, and, and ultimately, what was going on was you had three pieces of legislation on the Hill at that time. You had the the Pact Act, you had the Chips Act, and then you had the Inflation Act. Uh, the Democrats did a great job of, of, of getting everybody on board, and they passed the CHIP and the um, Inflation Act. And then you had Senator McConnell saying, uh, okay, guys, we can't give the Democrats any more wins, so we're going to whip we're going to whip the caucus. And, you know, he, he did what he did. He got, uh, you know, all the, all the usual suspects and, um, they, you know, they changed their vote at the last hour and they didn't give the Democrats that win. Right. And I didn't know that we were playing politics with human lives. That was a, that was a new one to me. Um, you know, we've all, we've all, you know, kind of understood it, but to actually see it in action, to see that, you know, they're willing to play politics with human lives. And we've been going to the Hill for many, many years, uh, up until this point, trying to, uh, you know, get this legislation passed. And there were so many people that didn't make it to where we were at that particular point in time on July 28th, right? A lot of people had died already uh, for, you know, being on this path and trying to get this legislation done. So to, you know, hear all that, it was very discerning. And it was like, man, I've lost all complete, you know, faith in, in government. So, you know, when we were sitting at the VFW, we all get our marching orders and we all go back to the, to the hill and we're, we're knocking on the doors. It's not going well. I go to Ted Cruz's office and, um, you know, we ended up getting, uh, you know, escorted out of the Capitol building, um, you know, because we were asking him why he changed his vote. And, you know, Rosie and I are sitting outside the Capitol, you know, wondering what's going on. Everybody's still inside. We were getting text messages from everybody saying it's not going well. Nobody's budging, blah, 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 blah. I looked at Rosie. Uh, and we're like, let's go get something to eat. So we walked over to the Metro, sat down, had some uh, Chick-fil-A. Uh, and, you know, we looked at each other and I was like, you know what, Rosie? We're not going to fucking leave. We're going to go. We're going to go back to the, the the Senate building, and we're going to sit on the steps, and we're going to we're going to protest peacefully until they pass this bill. And she's like, "Really? That's what you want to do?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's what we have to do. 
There's no other choice at this point. So we did. Um, and that was, um, you know, I believe that was a Thursday, a Friday morning. And uh, for the next six days, we sat out there. We brought all of our friends uh and we petitioned our government. Uh, it was very peaceful. Nothing got out of control. Uh, we had all walks of life coming to support us, you know, from all political class to, you know, every, you know, uh, Tom, Dick, and Harry that was coming across the country. People were getting on trains and, and taking a train to D.C. just to, be, to show solidarity. We had uh, Canadian uh, military members that fought in Iraq sending bourbon down to us just to keep us, uh, you know, uh, our spirit high, if you will. And, uh, you know, that's an incredible experience. So, you know, we, we, we sat there, we got that whole thing. Um, you know, we're, we're building the energy. We're, we're, we're doing all the right things. We're getting the senators under pressure. Um, we're on the news, we're on all the national news media. So that pressure is building and Monday comes rolling around and, uh, we get a couple of Republican senators that have made contact with the camp, right? And they they come over and they start probing and they're, they're they're talking like they're now friends of of all the veterans, right? And it's like, man, you know, we know what you're doing. Like, what's going on here? Like, are you guys gonna pass the bill or what? And they're like, well, we're getting there, we're getting there. We get blah 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 blah. And a couple more day, days go by, and, uh, and then we finally get the bill passed. They you know they called us into the rotunda, and we got to sit in the gallery. The gallery hadn't been opened uh, since COVID. And uh, we got to you know watch the whole political process happen right before our eyes. Every one of those senators came in. They all voted. That little shit Ted uh, Ted Cruz, you know, was eyeballing the the the, uh, the gallery that we were all sitting in like we were uh, lepers. I'll never forget that. And um, you know, uh, we watched one by one. And you know, most impressively, like you know, the one person that I I, I will remember that blew my mind. Right, and again, watching this political process. Um, was Bernie Sanders. You know, every every person that came, all the senators that came and voted, they, they walk in, they vote, they walk out, right? The only person that sat in that room the entire time, I shouldn't say the only, there's a, a very small group, um, a senator from Montana, uh, Senator Gillenbrand, and uh, Senator Bernie Sanders. Crazy Bernie Sanders, the raging socialist that nobody likes. Well, I'll tell you what, that man has a very uh, big heart for veterans. And he sat there, and he, he, he was the only man in the rotunda uh, that, uh, you know, that, that really gave a shit. And that was cool to see. And, you know, and it was funny like, seeing him you know, in, in the adventure, uh, like at the, uh, the SVAC, right? You know, he'd, he'd sit down with his floppy, crazy himself, and he'd be like, I don't know why we're still talking about this. Can't we just give the veterans what they need? And let's give them dental insurance, too, because that really sucks. <laughs> I was like, man, this guy gets it, right? I'm like, I never, I'd never think I'd be siding with Bernie Sanders, of all people. Uh, but it was really good to see. And, it, you know, so you know, we got that thing passed, and it was, it was, it was a moment that I will never forget, right? There's a couple moments in my life, um, this, you know, the birth of my my son or my children, um, the first Iraqi national election, uh, and passing the PACT Act. Like those are three, or, you know, five of the most significant things in my life that uh, you know nobody will ever be able to take away from me. And I can say that I was there, I was a part of it, and uh, we made some change. Man, that's an incredible story. Yeah. I'm so glad you guys did what you did and that you put in the work. And, and I love how your view on 
politics is so bipartisan. You just don't have that affiliation. And I think that's a great thing. You know, it's good for the people to hear something like that about a politician like Bernie Sanders, you know, regardless of whatever you think about his political beliefs, you can, at least I have always got the impression from him. It's that he cares. Yeah. He is legitimately sincere. There's some that you can tell they don't care at all. Yeah. I mean, where, where long are the days that, um, you know, that we could, uh, disagree with somebody and be okay with that and still have a great relationship with somebody right the it's only recently within the you know the the last 20 years that you know this uh, separation between uh, within politics is happening, right? There's these fantastic diagrams that show you know how the you know, the Republicans and the Democrats interweave over the years and like through the voting and how they gain power and how they lose power and this that and the other. But it's really within the last twenty years you see the the, the division where there's no intermingling that's happening and they're just polarized. And it's getting worse, right? Because, you know, we we can't we can't negotiate we can't have debates anymore, right? It's it's all reaction, it's all you know, emotion. There's no fact being driven any longer. It's all based off of opinion, and you know that's 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 a terrible place to be, as as a body of politic, right? That's certainly not you know something that is uh, you know embodying a, a a shit ton of trust in the people. <laughs> Well, you see it bleeding onto the culture, too. Yeah. You know, just the division. That's what Boone talked about, right? You you get that tribalism, then you get that encampment, then you, you know, all that stuff. All, I don't understand. And, you know, circling all the way back to plant medicine, when you realize that you're part of the source, you realize that you are all one, then you don't understand why people want to divide themselves so much. Yeah. Why do we need all these identifiers? Why do we need all these things to separate us from one another? where just being human is enough, you know, and it's okay to have different beliefs and opinions, but you should be tolerant. Everybody has a right to their own opinion because everybody comes from their own frame of experience. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not today because it'll just cancel your ass. Oh, that ain't no joke. Yeah. We (laughs) talked about that earlier, right? It's only a matter of time silenced on Facebook all the way to getting canceled, you know, but it's, it's so ridiculous now it's because now in order to get canceled, all you have to, you don't even have to say anything bad anymore. They've normalized cancel culture to the point where if they just don't like what you say, that's enough. Yeah, doesn't even need to be justified. Yeah. And then, but it's but it's you know the you know we can get into you know I don't know if we want to get into this whole conversation, but I mean that rot that rot of uh, the inability to debate, the inability to challenge intellectually, the inability to criticize uh, is is happening at the academic level. Right, so you know that you know, what's happening in, uh, in academia is bleeding into the populace, right? Because it's it's conditioning, it's that behavioral set that we talked about earlier in the show. Is that's what's happening at the you know, these very uh, informative years of these people, and then they're going out into the space, and you know, then we get chaos. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's probably not a not a, a segue that we want to jump into yeah, right now. Yeah. So I, let's go ahead and, and peel off a little bit because I, I want to learn a little bit about you and the foundation. You know, what's uh, what's next for Gruntstyle? What's next for the foundation? What what is uh, what what is Tim leading the company toward? Yeah. Um, well, you know, there you know, our goal is to be, um, you know, a household name. And the reason why we want to be a household name is that we want to, um, you know, 
be that company that is you know is instilling that uh, you know going back to our mission our vision right instilling the pride in self military and country uh and instill uh, you know creating that no celebrate and defend the constitution for the next generation like really getting that education into you know uh, the population down at the at the home level um because that's really important like this this is what, we only have one country right and and you know we have people within this country that are willing to die for it. But that's that's something that we cannot lose, right? And if we do not continue to put uh, uh, attention to that, I think we're in great jeopardy of, of losing the last beacon of freedom, the last, it's the shining light on the hill. If we let that light dim, that's our fault, right? So, you know, taking the company into, you know, uh, you know, being that household name, continuing to develop great product that uh, celebrates this American lifestyle that we have, um, is 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 a big aspect of what we're doing. Um, you know, there, I think there's some really cool things that we're going to be doing, uh, and some partnerships that we have coming up that will accentuate that and and, and uh, express some of that that warrior spirit that Grunt Style is really known for. Um, and then the work that we're doing with the foundation, like, um, you know, coming up here in, uh, you know, a couple weeks, we'll be finalizing a great merger between two incredible organizations, the Grunt Style Foundation and the Reverend Warriors. Um, and the idea is to uh, merge these organizations together where, uh, you know, we're able to um, you know, really start addressing suicide prevention within the veteran community. We believe that the Reverend Warriors mission is 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 just and what they do and um, you know their suicide prevention. That we want to bring that into the Grunstall Foundation as a program. Uh, with that, you know, we we believe that we will be able to broaden our messaging, broaden our impacts, broaden our programming, that we can you know reach more people. Uh, you know what's great about the Reverend Warriors is they got 90 chapters across the United States, right? That's well over uh, 20,000 people that are engaging in veteran community aspects, right? They're getting together and hiking eight out, um, eight miles together on a weekend, and just having a great time of celebrating, um, you know, that spirit, celebrating, you know, the idea of of service, you know, in in that military time. And it's really a great thing. So, you know, we got, uh, with that, I believe we're going to be able to start impacting in much different ways. Uh, it's going to broaden our capabilities of impact. Uh, we have some great integration, um, you know, programming that we're going to be introducing. Um, and, you know, some other really uh, cool stuff that I just can't share with you yet. Um, but I think is going to be, you know, a, a game changer. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, what I'm really proud about what Grenstyle does is that we lead from the front. We're innovators. We're, we're not out there trying to replicate things. Um, we, we go after problems as we see them. And we either uh, do it through great business or we do it through great charitable respects. Well, I'll tell you what. We're grateful for what you're doing. It's impressive and it's much needed. And, uh, yeah, I, I really can't wait to see all the stuff that's going to happen with the foundation going forward. I'm really excited about the 
the talks that I've heard about the, the joining with the irreverent warriors and how that's going to open up and how the chapters are going to work. And, um, I think all that sounds absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And, and I'm looking forward to being a part of that. So, yeah. so, well, I'll tell you what though, we do have a party to get back to, don't we? Yes, we do. Yeah. We had to sneak away. So for the listening audience, we are still out here in Kansas city. We mentioned that earlier in the show, but, uh, we are at an after party and we decided to sneak away to make this episode. So That's right. I'm very grateful for you taking the time to do that. I, yeah. Me and you had a little bit of a hard time linking up, making this happen. You were a busy man, <laughs> but uh, you took a time out of your schedule for us, and, and I greatly appreciate that. And hopefully this won't be the last time. Hopefully we get to work together continuously yeah. in the future. And Because and, uh, there's a million other topics I still want to talk to you about. We didn't sure. even talk about overlanding. We need to have a whole oh, episode man. just on overlanding oh, at this point. I got a lot to contribute there. Oh. Oh, man, I tell you what. So we'll, that's what we'll go talk about when we get to the party, if, if everybody else doesn't steal you away too quickly. <laughs> but uh, no, it, truly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to come here. I, I'm proud to be affiliated with you and your organization, and, uh, and I'm proud to be doing the work and to know that we have such a, a, a strong, powerful leader that is making this movement with us. And, and, and thank you. I appreciate it very much. And, you know, uh, I want to say thank you to the Stone Eight podcast. And, you know, you continue to bring thoughtful conversations uh, to your audience. And, you know, for any, everybody that's out there listening, you know, you don't have to subscribe to this, to, to what I'm talking about from uh, patriotism or, you know, um, self-healing or any of that. Um, but, you know, try it. See what it does for you, you know. And give it, give it a whirl, and see what uh, what new horizons you can open up for yourself. Because I will tell you, the moment that you start thinking about others and less about yourself, the world will significantly change for the better. Oh, that was well said. So if you're out there in the listening audience, do me a favor. Go ahead and hit subscribe. Then click that notification bell so that you don't miss future episodes. All our episodes are going to try to air on Friday at 420 because we want you to get high with us. And that's pretty much about it. <laughs> and if we're too high to get it out by Friday at 420, well, we do have a deadline Saturday by midnight because... I ultimately procrastinate and that's where it's at. So make sure you do that. We appreciate all of you guys out there. Uh, again, I'm looking forward to listening, uh, hearing from all the listeners around the world. Uh, we just picked up, um, we just picked up a few listeners in a couple of crazy countries. I got some people out there in India that are listening and I'm oh, wondering nice. like what people in India are taking the time to listen. And we got a couple of, a uh, couple of countries in Africa. I can't think of the names like Tunisia and a couple mm -hmm. of different weird places. And it's like, man, it, it's so incredible to see the map and then to see the, the globe light up with yeah. all of the different downloads. And it's like, how the hell did somebody in Australia find the podcast? Amen. And sure enough, they do. And it, and it's, it's incredible. So, uh, make sure the listeners, I want to hear from you guys. Keep giving us your feedback. Uh, we're loving that. And it, and it really helps with the show. Uh, so a little quick moment to thank our sponsors. I want to give a big thank you to Malevolent Arts Studio out there in Barnhart, Missouri. That is my man, Anthony Ferguson. He is ready and there for you to fill your tattoo needs. So if you're out there and you're looking for a new tattoo, hit up my man Anthony go see him he's got a wonderful shop he's got a fantastic group of artists that work there and look this is the perfect spot for somebody who is experienced with tattoos or especially somebody that is new with tattoos get a, going to get a tattoo for the first time going to a tattoo studio your first time can be a little bit scary 
Anthony's Tattoo Studio makes this so much better because he's got a team of artists that are going to talk to you. They're going to listen about what you want, what your design is. They're going to educate you on the design. They'll steer you in the right direction if what your design isn't going to make the greatest tattoo. And they're going to make sure that you're going to get a quality tattoo that you're going to be happy with that's going to last a lifetime. And as far as the technical aspects go, I mean, Anthony is one of the best artists that I've ever met. His line work, his color saturation. If you want to get a tattoo that looks like a sticker, and stays that way. Anthony is your man. How, how, how do I get you to read grunt style promos? <laughs> we can talk about that offline. I'll hook you up, brother. So make sure you go see Anthony Ferguson. He is over there at Malevolent Art Tattoo Studio. He is absolutely fantastic. Look in the description. If you mention the Stone Apes podcast, he will give you $50 off any book tattoo. And, oh, I almost forgot. Little Birdie goes so that he's finally got his own Stoned Apes podcast tattoo out over there. So anybody out there looking to get the Stoned Apes podcast tattooed, especially on your ass, I want to see it. And you need to go over there and check out my man. So for that, sir, thank you again. It's been absolutely fantastic. And for this episode, the Stoned Apes are out.